Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. Introducing My Ag Life Jobs, the pathway to career opportunities in California agriculture. Whether you're currently in pursuit of employment or searching for talent as an employer, our network serves as the resource to connections in the agricultural industry. Plant roots in your career and embark today by exploring jobs.myaglife.com. That's jobs.myaglife.com. Early November, the United States Department of Agriculture Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service expanded its list of areas quarantined for the Asian citrus ciliad to various counties across the state, including portions of the Central Valley, to align with protocols that the California Department of Food and Agriculture has had in place since 2018. APHIS published a quarantine expansion on November 6th to include all of Fresno, Tulare, Kern, and San Luis Obispo counties, in addition to 18 other counties in California. The federal ACP quarantine areas are now aligned with the existing state-level quarantine expansions that the California Department of Food and Agriculture has established. While this quarantine update expanded the federal quarantine areas, it did not affect CDFA's existing quarantine areas or the regulatory requirements for any citrus industry members in California. The ACP quarantine is intended to stop the spread of the pest and ultimately one along being from reaching areas that currently do not have established populations in the area. A full list of the zone guidelines and the risks that each county faces are available on the CDFA website. In news today from the California Cotton Jenners and Growers Association, the Department of Pesticide Regulation has adopted regulations to limit neonoctinoid pesticide product use on the production of certain agricultural commodities. The new regulations apply to soil and foliar applications. CDPR is doing this because they believe neonoctinoid pesticide products may present hazards to honeybees and other pollinators. Pollinators can be exposed to neonoctinoids through contact with residues or by ingesting contaminated pollen or nectar since the neonoctinoids are systemic pesticides that move through the plant's tissue. DPR adopted these regulations to protect pollinators from risks from exposure to neonoctinoids in agricultural crops. To mitigate these identified risks to pollinators, these new regulations have crop-specific rate and application timing restrictions. Statewide, the regulations are expected to reduce the amount of neonoctinoid pesticides used and acres treated. There is a list of products used in cotton for each active ingredient. The information was compiled using publicly available data by products with the highest number of applications in 2020. For a complete list and for more information on this issue, contact the California Cotton Jenners and Growers Associations. International Fresh Produce Association celebrated Giving Tuesday by reflecting on food donation partnerships with a global produce and floral show. At this year's show, held in Anaheim, IFPA partnered with Second Harvest Food Bank of Orange County and Food Forward to rescue and distribute produce and floral, and also worked with event partner GES to donate furniture and appliances used on the floor during the show. IFPA put in place an extensive back-of-house waste sorting operation to maximize the collection of over six tons of floral green waste. Additional waste Streams included soft plastics, cardboard, and single stream recycling. 
The donation at this year's show totaled 227,000 pounds of produce and floral, with 221,000 pounds of produce going to communities around Anaheim and Los Angeles, along with 6,650 pounds of floral. This was rescued and packed by volunteers trained and organized by IFPA's longstanding partners, Second Harvest Food Bank of Orange County. This year, IFPA expanded the partnership to maximize community impact by also partnering with Food Ford, who helped to distribute food and floral through their L.A. district distribution channels. In a continued effort to be more sustainable for the first time ever, IFPA offered a furnishing recycling option, which included furniture, refrigerators, and more that have been donated to the surrounding communities. Kawant Joel, owner and operator of Joel Orchard in Marysville, was honored by the California Farm Bureau for Distinguished Service in Agriculture at the organization's 105th annual meeting, which was held in Reno recently. The Distinguished Service Award honors lifelong achievements and contributions in agriculture. The organization has honored outstanding individuals with this award for over 60 years. As a third-generation farmer, Joel oversees his family's 1,000-acre farm, which produces thousands of peaches, prunes, almonds, and pomegranates each year. He is also the first East Indian American farmer to serve as president of the U.S. Setter Farm Bureau. He previously held this position for four years and has continued to serve on the local Farm Bureau for over 35 years. Equinor has announced the name of its floating offshore wind project off the coast of California. It is called Atlas Wind. The area, which lies 60 miles from Morrow Bay, has the capacity to provide over 2 gigawatts of reliable renewable power. That's enough to power 1.7 million California homes once it's complete. California is poised to become a growing force in the U.S. energy transition with a nation-leading target of 25 gigawatts of offshore wind energy by the year 2045. Approximately two-thirds of the United States States' offshore wind energy potential lies in deep coastal waters like the Pacific Ocean, where water depths reach 1,000 meters or more. Water depths of this magnitude are too deep for traditional bottom-fixed foundations and instead require floating offshore wind technology. Equinor is also the developer of the world's first floating offshore wind farm called Highwind Scotland and the world's largest floating offshore wind farm, Highwind Tampin, in the North Sea. In addition to the state's commitment to renewable energy sources, offshore wind complements solar energy by bolstering reliability in the evening when solar generation decreases and user demand increases. The passage of recent legislation establishing a centralized procurement system leads the way for clean energy sources for residents and also develops the infrastructure needed to advance the offshore wind industry. Carmen Lycan-Cano, an experienced food engineer and dairy enthusiast, has joined Cal Poly's College of Agriculture, Food, and Environmental Sciences as the director of the Dairy Products Technology Center. In that role, she will oversee the research and development of dairy products by Cal Poly students and faculty in partnership with industry professionals. The Cal Poly Dairy Products Technology Center, located at the university's dairy unit, offers research opportunities and short courses on developing dairy-related products for industry professionals. The center has active programs in research, outreach, and training. The research program currently emphasizes cheese science and technology, dairy foods quality, dairy ingredients technology, and novel process technologies. Students assist with research trials and are hired as assistants for the professional courses that are offered at the center throughout the year. Prior to joining Cal Poly, she was an assistant professor at Fresno State University in the food science and nutrition department for six years, teaching food product development. She earned a doctorate in agricultural sciences and engineering, specializing in dairy product development and aroma analysis from the University of Castilla-La Mancha in Spain, and spent time in France for postdoctoral work. 
We know it's been tough managing inputs and resources lately. That's why we're inviting you to the Inputs Ag Summit on January 10th in Fresno, California. This event is a lifeline for specialty crop growers, PCAs, CCAs, and applicators alike. It's your opportunity to get help in today's challenging landscape. What will you find at the Input Ag Summit? Cost-saving seminars, networking with experts, special panel discussions, and solutions for hard times. Visit myaglife.com backslash events today to sign up for this new and exciting conference. What can we count on for 2024? So there's some nutrients like phosphate, potassium, some of your micronutrients, pH, organic matter, um, and, and some of your salinity measurements that are that are great candidates to measure in the fall. So you can start making that plan. And in some areas, you even have time still to react to those numbers uh, in your in your fall fertility program. Nutrients Director of Agronomy and CCA, Dr. Carl Wyant, discussing what a grower needs to know to have their soil tests in line for 2024 to guide nutrient management decisions and other practices. Right now, according to Dr. Wyant, at the end of the 2023 year going into 2024 is the perfect time to conduct a soil test. We're right after Thanksgiving. Everybody should be maybe well-rested and probably certainly well-fed, but um, it's a good time to, to take a look at your soil samples because you've, you've done all your work in the field. You're most, more than likely putting your, your, your trees or your vines or other crops to bed for the year, and um, you know, you're going to have some some opportunities open up, not necessarily for hardcore field work like we, we expect in the fall or the early fall or the spring, but really a chance to go out and see what's in the soil. And it's really like checking the bank account. What's left at the end of the year, at the end of the growing season, after all the materials have been harvested and, and moved to the processors, and what can we count on for 2024? So there's some nutrients like phosphate, potassium, some of your micronutrients, pH, organic matter, um, and, and some of your salinity measurements that are that are great candidates to measure in the fall. So you can start making that plan. And in some areas, you even have time still to react to those numbers uh, in your in your fall fertility program. So it's a great way to just look under the hood and gather some data before uh, before you really take a break here uh, coming up. There's a number of laboratories that offer soil tests, and although some tests are analyzed using different methods, Every soil test shows the basics. Nitrogen, phosphate, potassium, and you go down the list into your calcium, magnesium, sulfate, and then you can have a whole uh, bunch of different micronutrients there. So that's a piece to look for is just what's the nutrient status of the, of the soil. You also have some of your chemical measurements like soil pH. You know, is it alkaline, is it acidic, or is it neutral? Uh, and then you have things like your soil organic matter, and these are the, how much carbon is in the soil, and that's become a, a much more looked at number with some of these carbon building programs that have been introduced in recent years. And and if you're in a in a part of the part of the uh, the world where you don't get a whole lot of rain, or you have poor water quality, uh, and sometimes a combination of those two, some of your salinity numbers can be very important. How much sodium chloride and boron is in the soil? because that can be toxic to crops. So you've got some basic constituents to a good soil report. And um, I think one of the challenges is is usually the basics are on the report at every lab. It's the next step. And that's where a lot of growers and and, and crop scouts and, and folks that work in the ag retail side, that's where they get tripped up because 
because some of these lab reports are just presented as a, just a wall of numbers, whereas some of them are numbers, but here's the next step. Here's your phosphate result in the soil. Here's how much phosphate pounds per acre you should be putting out in your fertility program. So every lab does it a little bit differently. I mentioned before, some of these lab reports are just numbers. You know, they look like Excel spreadsheets where some are, are nice and graphical. There's bars that show a low, high, medium, and, and they're much more colorful. And so I think if, you, if you're struggling on the interpretation side, that's where building your team of advisors, someone that is familiar with soil reports that can come in and just help you prioritize the information and interpret the information and turn it into an actionable plan, whether it's a nutrient management plan, a salinity management plan, or in some cases, like a pH management plan, like liming or, or something like that. Listen to last Friday's podcast to catch the rest of Dr. Wyant's soil test recommendations. For My Ag Life, I'm Taylor Charlstrom. We're thrilled to announce that the North Valley Nut Conference is taking place on January 31st at Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in Chico, California. This event is held in conjunction with University of California Cooperative Extension. It's a golden opportunity for professionals in the tree nut industry. Network with our exhibitors and sponsors who are committed to your success in the orchard. Earn valuable continuing education units and expand your knowledge on the latest industry trends. Listen to our expert speakers, share valuable insights and practical advice, but attendance is filling up fast. So make sure you visit myaglife.com backslash events and register today. We hope to see you there. The USA has resumed hearings on the federal milk marketing orders. Farm News reporter Chad Smith shares more. Hearings to modernize federal milk marketing orders have resumed with a lot of work ahead. Roger Cryan, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, talks about where the hearings are at in the schedule. What's happening right now is USDA has resumed the hearing that broke in mid-October that went on for eight weeks before that. There's a hope to get that done in these two weeks. Right now, the topic is class one and class two differentials. And there's a long set of witnesses to go over a lot of details for national milk's proposal. And I expect another lost set of witnesses to go over the Milk Innovation Group's proposal. Cryan says there is still one big topic left to cover, price differentials. Well, the big thing we're looking forward to is presenting on our proposal to raise the Class 2 differential, which right now is $0.70 per hundredweight, and we are proposing to raise that to $1.56 per hundredweight. And I look forward to USDA recognizing that the logic of their decision from order reform means that they really should be increasing the Class 2 price for the benefit of farmers. He says there's still a long way to go in the FM. MMO reform process. If the hearing doesn't wrap up by the end of next week, which it probably won't, they're almost certain to pick it up again in January, which is, of course, another two months delay in moving things forward. Every additional month it takes to finish the hearing is another month that's going to delay the eventual implementation of this thing. If everything moves really swiftly after a January completion, none of these things are likely to take effect until at least the beginning of 2025. So it's a long process. Learn more at fb.org. Chad Smith, Washington. The Renewable Fields Association has partnered with the Girls Auto Clinic to bring ethanol education and promotion to a new and growing audience, women who are actively interested in auto purchasing, maintenance, and repair. 
Founded in 2013, Girls Auto Clinic builds and provides tools to drive knowledge and engagement to women or she canics to own their automotive experiences. The organization empowers women to be fully engaged and confident in purchasing and managing their vehicles while also increasing the presence of women successfully and happily employed within the automotive industry. RFA Vice President for Industry Relations Robert White says it's important for all consumers to understand the value of American-made ethanol as it provides critical cost savings for families and benefits for the climate and the air they breathe. Girls Auto Clinic CEO and founder Patrice Banks says that with RFA's backing, they can extend their reach, empowering more women across the country to become confident drivers and smart consumers. Marsha Bunger, Risk Management Agency Administrator for USDA, talks about specialty crops policies and the importance of producer feedback. And so we insure so many specialty crops currently, but of course there's always room for improvement. And in addition to Whole Farm, that will cover just about any crop. Um, We're also looking at individual crop policies and um, Producer feedback is so invaluable for us, and so if you are a specialty crop grower and you feel like you're lacking in coverage needs, I would encourage you to reach out to our 10 regional offices. A full list of the Risk Management Agency field offices are available at rma.usda.gov. Eligible organizations now have until February 2nd to apply for funding from the first round of USA's new Regional Agricultural Promotion Program. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. The culmination of a busy Tuesday for U.S. Forest Service Chief Randy Moore. For 53 years, 43 different national forests have had the privilege of providing the people's tree, with a few forests having the honor to provide multiple times. At West Virginia Elementary School student Ethan Reese. I live very close to where the Capitol Christmas tree is from, the Monongahill National Forest. I spend a lot of time there with my family, and I'm the great-great-grandson of one of the very first supervisors of the Monongahill National Forest. Both participated in the holiday tree lighting ceremony at USDA headquarters earlier in the day and later in the evening took part in the U.S. Capitol Christmas tree lighting ceremony on the Capitol grounds. Reese served as the tree lighter for both events as winner of this year's U.S. Capitol Christmas tree essay contest. The Capitol Christmas tree remains lit, decorated, and on display throughout the holiday season. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is seeking nominations from fluid milk processors and other interested parties for candidates to serve on the National Fluid Milk Processor Promotion Board. The deadline for nominations is January 12, 2024. From the nominees, the Secretary of Agriculture will appoint eight individuals to succeed members whose terms expire on June 30th. Newly appointed members will serve three-year terms from July 1st of 2024 through June 30th of 2027. USDA will accept nominations for board representation in six geographic Geographic regions and two at-large positions. Nominees for the regional positions and one of the at-large positions must be active owners or employees of a fluid milk processor. The other at-large position may be an active owner or employee of a fluid milk processor or a member of the general public. Fluid milk processors and interested parties may submit nominations for regions in which they are located or regions in which they market fluid milk. They may also submit nominations for the at-large members. To nominate individuals, a copy of the nomination form and a signed background form must be submitted for each nominee. Again, that deadline is January 12th. For more information, go to the Fluid Milk Processor Promotion Board webpage.
JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. It's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening.